Today's podcast is sponsored by Fire Facilities Incorporated, expert engineers, designers, and manufacturers of steel training towers, burn rooms, and mobile units that are all made in the USA. Welcome back to Three Point Firefighter. Today, my guest is Eddie Steele. Now, Eddie is a 14-year veteran firefighter paramedic with Historical Weatherford, Texas Fire Department. He is currently assigned to Truck One Squad One, and he has served with several fire departments as a volunteer, part-time, and career. He's a former instructor at Weatherford College, College Regional Fire Academy, and he founded the Frontier Fools chapter in Texas, and he's a current president right now. Now, I love quotes. Love them, right? When seconds count, we count seconds. There's a lot of good yeah. fireman quotes. Brother Steele, you got one of the best ones ever. It, your quote is, I can never give back enough to the fire service what it has given me. Brother Steele, thank you for being on the show. Hey, thanks, Jake. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, I th so for those listening, um, I met Eddie a couple weeks ago. We were teaching in Fort Worth. We were teaching NFPA 1700. That was our uh, our very first class that we taught. And I was with my buddy Gilbert um, Pedroza, captain out of LA County. And we're up there teaching and you walk in and I've seen you on, on, on a couple pictures with your helmet and all that stuff. And you walk in there and I just, I'm like, I know this dude. I didn't say nothing. I'm like, I know this dude. <laughs> so we go through the station and I look at your shirt and you had your name on your t-shirt. I'm like, fucking Eddie Steele. It's Eddie Steele, right? So you leave and I look at, at Gilbert. I'm like, Gilbert, that's Eddie Steele. <laughs> Every now and then we we get a little, we fanboy over people that we know in the fire service or know of in the fire service that do things that are kind of important. Uh, so, of course, I listened to Corley Moore's podcast and I saw you on that. Um, so, man, great seeing you again uh, this time, not in person. So what do you think about that 1700 class since we're talking about it? Yeah, let's get something straight for everybody. You were teaching. I was the student. Yes, so yes. All, you were the student. Yeah, me no, and you were teaching. No, I'm still a student, and I go to as many classes as I possibly can. Uh, I think that the instructor, I don't consider myself an instructor. Uh, I just like I like to teach people. I like to learn even more. And if I can teach people what I've learned to make them better, uh, that's what makes the world go around and makes the fire service better. Um as far as the 1700 class, man, I thought I thought it was a good class. Um, what I liked about it is that it um, forget forgive my my candidness, but it was almost like the uh, we got the holy ointment and um, blessing to go forth and rescue and do firemanship. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, meaning that what does that mean? That means that now NFPA uh, has now said that you know. Uh, vent in our search, vent in our isolate search, whatever you want to call it, you know, is now a standard. You know, it's not cowboy <laughs> stuff. You know, going into a window and searching is now the standard. Um, yes. You know, flowing and moving water is now the standard. Uh, you know, doing things with the with a purpose. You know, with the uh, with the citizen uh, safety first, and not necessarily ours. Um, ours is first through our training. We if you handle mm -hmm. your business at home. You know, if through training and uh, education, then you're putting your safety, you know, first. And then once you get on the fire ground and when that bell goes off, it's not about you anymore. It's about them, you know. And so what uh, what I liked about NFPA 1700 class was that it, it gave um, 
legitimacy, I guess you could say, you know, to what we've always considered the best practices, you know. And so uh, with that being also said, as far as, you know, if you want to teach, um, if you want to teach one of those um one of those practices like VES or flowing and moving, uh, you know, and let's say the, the chief of said department that you're teaching says, Hey, that's cowboy stuff. Said, no, NFPA 1700 has now blessed it, sir. So yes. Yes. Yeah. They have window initiated search now. Right. Yep. Yep. And, uh, no more transitional. We call it exterior attack because people could not understand what a trend. They thought transitional was a one-way thing, and uh, don't get me started yeah. on that. Yeah, it was good. It's a two-day about, class. Yeah, yeah. That's about transitional attack. So I kind of call it like this. So they call it exterior attack, and like that because kind of like the Marine Corps, right? They never retreat; they advance backwards, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're not retreating; we're advancing to the rear. You know, it's the so, rear. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good class, and. Um, we enjoyed it. Uh, I, there's, we took a lot out of it as instructors, uh, and I think we're tweaking it. There were a few hiccups. I think we all saw a few hiccups here and there, but I, that's that's how the nature of the beast is. And I think our next presentation will probably go a lot better. I will be back down in Texas um, next week, down in Raleigh, Dallas. So, uh, so I'm getting, I'm going on to that that 1403 class. Uh, for everybody that doesn't know, that's the live fire instructor class, and I'm a. Uh, October 1, our department opened up the bank account. So come on, bank account, pay for that class for me. So I'm going to be there if everything goes well uh, to you're take that class. Route, you're going to be at Rowlett? Yeah, man. Be a student again. Absolutely. Oh, uh, We got we got to have a beer together. That's all there is to it. That's all, we, all there is to it, brother. Man, that's great Great to hear. So I noticed when, when you were up there, first off, there's some students, and you know this, that just stand out. It's not saying anything bad about other students, but there's some students, and you were one of those students, and I guess that's what drew me to you, and you're, like, motivating people around. You're talking to people, and then, um, of course, to paint the picture fully, we were on a seventh-floor training tower, and it had two twin um, staircases going up, and we were on the seventh floor doing a ventilation uh, skill station, and that one student, which was you, you came up, you said, man, I want to fill this whole thing up with smoke in the in the stairwells, and then and then see what these fans can do. I'm like, man, I wish we had time. We were on, you know, a, a time thing and a certain, uh, we had yeah. certain check boxes, but uh, we brought all that stuff down to you. I said, Hey man, lunchtime, if you want to go do it, go do it. You said, man, I appreciate it. But that's as an instructor, you love to see students do that. Like, I love this. I want more. How can I do more, yeah. man? So the fire bug bit you pretty hard. Tell me your story, how you got in the fire service. So it hit me hard and it hit me late, you know, <laughs> kind of like the clap. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know i was late and i was late in my in my life uh, you know, I, I say that in my life uh, i was uh i was 27 man when i got my shit together i was 27 so i'm 43 right now um, 25 I, spent, I was 25 when i did mine oh really okay yeah I get so it. i tried uh, I, I tried a lot of different things uh, the wrong way uh you know mm. through my through my uh young adulthood and and that late adolescence, man, whatever the right thing to do was, Eddie Steele was doing that way. You know, you couldn't tell me what to do. I was going to figure it out on my own, come hell or high water. And I made a lot of bad decisions and I learned a lot from them um, until finally one day um, I was, uh, my parents, they had, they had retired. I got older parents. They had retired and they moved out, come to the country. I'm from Arlington, Texas. I was adopted 
when I was a young baby, but uh, I grew up in Arlington, Texas. And so I was kind of a city boy, if you will. And then my, my parents had retired and moved out to the country in Weatherford, Texas. <laughs> and uh, that was about 45 minutes to the west of me. And so once a week, I'd get over, I'd drive over there, <clears throat> hungover, you know, and mow their two-acre lot. You know, just like I always promised them I would on every every Sunday morning if I could, I'd do that. So at any rate, um, one afternoon, I go to the, the corner big pantry uh, convenience store there to get my chimichanga and my Dr. Pepper. You know, when I'm halfway done with my mowing. And, and to the bottom right, there was a stack of newspapers, some uh, Weatherford Democrat uh, regional paper that said, uh, Weatherford College graduate cadet hired by Weatherford Fire Department. And it was like God just said, hey, dude, that's what you're going to do. So I looked down at it, and I, I was just drawn to it, man. And there was something about it. It was almost like as if uh, kind of a bet, you know, to myself. Man, I bet you can't do that. Something, you know, I don't know exactly <laughs> what it was, but I picked it up. I took it home. <clears throat> I showed it to my dad. I said, Dad, I want to do this. He goes, you want to be a fireman? I said, yep, I do. He looks at me. He's like, son. Now, he's always been behind my back, but he's – He's seen me also, you know, crap on the floor a lot. You know, he's giving me lots of chances to, to ride myself. So he goes, all right, I'll tell you what, you better talk to your uncles because my uncles were both um, retired firemen from L.A. County. And uh, so I said, if you want to go there, because I'll tell you what, um, you're paying for it. But if you want to move out here and live with us while you go to the fire academy, we'll let you do that. But he goes, Eddie, I'm telling you what, if you don't finish this thing, that's it, man. We're not going to support anything else. Because you never finish a dang thing in your life. And that was true, man. I was a professional procrastinating screw-up. So uh, that's what I did. I was a drummer in a rock and roll band, surfing on couches and waking up in people's apartments that knew who they were. And I did that for a long time. But uh, there was something Hell, that great. sounds kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gets old quick, man. <laughs> you know, but uh, at any rate, so um, that's what I did. I started to get in shape because you can't, you can't. You can't uh, use the fire academy to get in shape because they're going to bust your butt. So I started getting in shape, man, and started getting sober. And uh, next thing I know, you know, about two months later, I find myself uh, riding in this bus to Weatherford Fire Station 3, where the training tower is. And we're in a bus full of these cadets. We don't know each other. Everybody's got their haphazard uh, blue uniform on none of their shit none of our shit's the same you know it's all out of whack you know not not knowing that how we're even really supposed to put them on and if we did know we didn't follow the dang directions anyway because none of us do <laughs> first get on and we pull up to the back of station three and there's this guy and he looks squared away shiny bald head he's got his hands behind his his uh, back at a parade rest out sitting on a yellow line and this guy, two, two rows front from me, goes, oh, shit, not again. I'm like, what the hell does that mean, not again? This guy just got out of the Marine Corps. He's like, crap, there's another yellow line I'm about to get on. So <laughs> who that was is my now fire chief. That was Lieutenant Peacock. He's my fire chief now at Weatherford. He gets on the bus. He goes, <laughs> she goes welcome to the Weatherford Fire Academy. You have 10 seconds to de-ass yourself from my bus and get on the yellow line. And we just start falling all over each other with our big duffel bags with a beard. <laughs> You know, it's like a, you know, that, that bus is like having a baby, just diarrhea of cadets coming <laughs> there. And we get, a, we get on the line, and from that minute on, you know, they just started drilling us and busting our butt. And I was like, I freaking love this. Because the first time in my life, 
you know, I was being challenged, you know, and that was what it was. I just needed to be challenged. I needed a direction where somebody was, was going to challenge me because I wasn't challenging myself. Um, and then from then on, man, I just, that was it. It changed my life. It saved my life. I'm sure of it. Um, and to come hell or high water, whatever it was going to take, I was going to be a professional fireman. And that's another part of the story. It took me a long time to become a career firefighter, but, um, that's what gave me the bug. So you do the Academy that doesn't guarantee you a job though, right? No, no, no. Cause I wasn't hired by a department. This was, I paid for it myself at a junior college, you know, so you go through three months of that and they give you a certificate that says you're a Texas certified basic firefighter. Unbeknownst to me, you're really not certified because you have to get your EMT. I didn't even know what that was. Like EMT, I don't know how to spell that. What's that? <laughs> you know, I don't know what the EMT is. So now I got to go like to a medical type school. And um, so after I got done with the fire academy, um, went to get a, went to EMT school, failed that thing miserably. Um, had to go again. And when I went to go again, I was trying to figure out, let me tell you something about shortcuts. I was trying to find a short way that wasn't going to be a semester long. I had to get my EMT really quick because I wanted to be a fireman, you know, start putting out fires. So I'm in, I'm, I'm on the interwebs and I find this one month course, one month fast paced course up in the, um, uh, Appalachian mountains in North, in North Carolina. And it's called the wilderness uh, medical Institute. So what they're going to do is they're going to give you a wilderness EMT certification and a street national registry certification for EMT all in one month. And it's like, uh, it's a complete, uh, what do they call that? In, in involvement, you know, you live there, you breathe it and sleep it. Uh, so that's what I did. Little did I know it's like survival school out there. Mm-hmm. So we're in the Appalachians and we're learning how to make splints out of snake bones and, and just, uh, it was all hands-on, all scenario-based, you know, for uh, for one month. And the last week of it was street EMS stuff. I did some ride-outs on the Cherokee uh, reservation out there for the Eastern Bands. And uh, one month later, you know, of uh, living it and breathing it, I finally got my, my national registry. So uh, that made me... National care. registry in national one month. Registry. Yeah, in one month. I mean, it was just like drinking out of a fire hydrant of, you know... Of some soup you never even heard of, you know, but uh, what was, was cool about it, though, is that I ended up really enjoying it because it was tangible. It was all scenario based, very little book work. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was some book. We had to do some um, some homework just for terminology and, and such and quizzes in the morning. But we did eight hours of just scenarios, you know, difficulty breathing, trauma, all kinds of stuff like that. And we all dressed up in moulage and, you know, we took turns acting for each other and stuff. And uh, it, it was pretty cool. Uh, what I learned a lot about that was, you know, backwoods uh, or backcountry um, EMS. You know, let's say if you and I are in Zion National Park, you fall and break your ankle, brother, you're screwed, you know. You know, you're five, six miles off of the tra- off of the, the main trail, and if you can, if you don't have help or some way to splint it, you're gonna die out there. You know, and so mm-hmm. that's kind of, that's what I learned. I learned a lot of a lot of that stuff, and that kind of um, gave me a little bit of uh, I guess a secret like for EMS because I secretly do like EMS, but <laughs> yeah, anyway. I won't tell anybody. I won't tell anybody. Yeah, so see, anybody. backwoods EMS. See, I'm from Kentucky. Go big blue. Yeah. Uh, and so backwards EMS from us for us is just basically how to remove the brother from the sister. That's really, that's, you just gotta, <laughs> that's it. 
<laughs> throw, throw cold water on them and then you hear and then pump hard. With the water. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I pass oh, yeah. That. There you go. <laughs> so, awesome. you, okay. So, how old are you now? You've gotten your EMT, you've got your firefighter cert, but you don't have a job yet. So, what are you, 26, 27 right now? No. So, I'm like 28 and a half, almost 29. I'm an old dude, man. I'm old. Oh. You know, I was, I was in the academy with kids. Uh, so I've been the old man the whole time. Um, so I get done with that and I just can't pass a test for the life of me. You know, I tested everywhere I possibly could. And back then, man, um, I don't know what it's like. It's probably like the same way in the rest of the country right now, right now, if you have a pulse and a patch and you haven't committed murder five years, like you get a job. <laughs> Seriously. These guys, these new kids have no idea how good they have, how good the chances of them getting the best job in the world is because back when I started, and I don't think it was that long ago, but you know, shoot, 14, 15 years ago, man. I mean, there was only the economy was horrible. It was 2008, you know, um, nobody was hiring. In fact, people were laying off at Browning out station, you know, and if they were hiring, it was like one or two people or they were just getting a, a list ready for the next year. So every time I showed up at a, a at a test, man, I'd see the same guys over and over again, you know, and I just couldn't get to that top 10% um, just because I was awful at math and I could never figure out how fast the fire truck went if it was going 60 miles an hour for three, whatever. <laughs> and so that always got me, man. Uh, but I became a professional test taker <laughs> for sure. Um, but in the meantime, what I do, and I encourage this to people, is that, you know, just because you fail one time, so what, man? You know, just keep trying and keep trying. And in the meantime, uh, how, how bad you want it um, will dictate, you know, your uh, your effort. So what I did is, you know, dispatch, volunteer, part time, no time, ride a freaking ambulance, whatever it is. Keep, your, keep yourself in the game. That way, when you finally do pass the test and you find yourself in front of the interview board and they're looking at your resume, they're like, damn, Eddie, like, you did everything. I'm like, yeah, absolutely, sir. I'm scraping and clawing with these calluses, trying to make it here, you know, to finally get in front of you to, to beg you for a job to hire me. So, <laughs> you know, that's that's what I did. I just did whatever I could to stay in the game. So volunteering and part-time and, and ambulance riding and, you know, whatever it took, man, that's what I wanted to do because I loved it. And I wanted to be a firefighter, you know, professionally and, and make a living doing the best job in the world. So that, that was my goal. I've always said uh, uh, we got the best job in the world, and I feel bad for fighter pilots and astronauts because they're not firefighters. That's so right. we got, and, and we talked a little bit before about your dad being a fighter pilot. So that's mm. that's super damn cool. Um, yeah. So let me ask you this: You now work for Historic Weather Weathersford. What makes Heck it yeah. historic? So Weatherford um, Weatherford Fire Department. It was founded in 1876. Um, that's pretty old. You know, there's some parts in the Northeast, I'm sure they're a little bit older, but um, in Texas, anyway, we're one of the older depart oldest departments. Um, Weatherford is located about 20 miles west of Fort Worth. So if you can kind of close your eyes and think about the Wild West and the Texas frontier back in the, the mid to late 1800s, um, Fort Worth, there was Dallas and there was Fort Worth here in North Texas. And those were kind of the, the, the frontier outposts, you know, and if you went anywhere west of that, man, like, you're going because you're like Lewis and Clark. <laughs> you're going somewhere. You ain't going to come back, you know. Um, and so what happened is that some some folks started this. Uh, it was a Buffalo trading post um, out just west of Fort Worth called Weatherford. And subsequently, it became a, a train station.
definitely aren't coming back. Weatherford was the place where you, for the last moment, you're going to get, uh, you're going to see a lawyer if you needed to get your, your will uh, measured up. Um, you're going to get your grain, your alcohol, uh, maybe get a lady for the last night, you know, whatever kind of stuff <laughs> we're going to do before going west. And if you went out there and if you made it, you know, congrats. But chances are the Comanche and the Kiowa are going to get you and they're going to they're going to make their uh, <laughs> they're going to they're going to make their time with you as well. So it took a certain, you know, uh, tough kind of ombre to be out there in Weatherford. And so subsequently also, um, you know, folks started their own fire protection uh, department out there and that started in 1876 so um, that's what we kind of hang our hat on that we've been fighting fire uh, you know for that long um, thank god we still don't do things the way we always have <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine that excuse this is the way we've always done it shoot dude you know <laughs> <laughs> that would not work we well still- for you no, man, I wish we still had our Silsby steamer, but we don't have that anymore. But um, Weatherford is, is historic for that reason, and I really enjoy that. You know, you go all around town. We have an old part of town, and, you know, it's just like the Wild West out there. Um, you know, some of these old, old buildings are, you know, well over 120 years old in downtown, and um, and, and I really, really kind of got a liking to it. And um, that's the department I wanted to work for when I was in the fire academy. Well, you did good, huh? And then not only did you have a, a secret taste for EMS, you became a paramedic. Now, how'd that work out? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. So you're going to see an ongoing um, you know, theme with me, which is the number one, it's failure. So I failed at everything I've ever done in my life, you know, more times than I can count. And I've been successful probably as many times as I can count on one hand. Um, so I failed paramedic school three times. Not the National Registry, the school. I failed paramedic school three times, and the fourth time was a charm. Finally, I passed that, and I kind of joked, said, man, with how much of, you know, medical school I should be going to, I probably should be a doctor by now. But, <laughs> but you know, back then, like we were talking about, times were hard for firefighters getting a job. And if you want the golden ticket to get a job was to get your paramedic, get that red patch, as they say in, in Texas. And so, God dang it, man. I mean, how bad did I want it? You know, I wanted, I wanted this so bad. It's kind of like that feeling when you jump, when you dive down in the deep end of the pool and realize you can take a deep enough breath and you're trying to get to the surface and that surface isn't getting there quick enough. You got to want it that bad that you want that breath of air. And that's how bad I wanted it. So, you know, at that time I was so accustomed to, I don't want to say failing, but failing, you know, so what I failed, I'm going to do it again. All I got is time. So that's what I did, man. I went to, to school four different times and uh, finally on that fourth time, I, you know, uh, I passed it. And uh, same thing with the Weatherford Fire Department. Um, when I went to Fire Academy there, that's when I decided that I wanted to be a Weatherford Fireman because the, the Academy was actually in a working firehouse there at Station 3. Mm-hmm. So we got to kind of associate somewhat with the, with those firefighters. And every time they went on those calls, man, or I'd see them out and they'd help us with our with our skills Man, those are the guys I wanted. Those are firemen to me. You know, mm-hmm. um, they run a whole lot of EMS, but they did a whole lot of fire and weather was burning back in those days. And, um, and you know, some guys wanted to go to Dallas or Arlington or some of the big cities, but not me, man. I wanted to be a weather fireman. And so that took me 10 years. And I'm telling this to those guys out there, those guys and gals. It's, uh, it took me 10 years to get on the Weatherford. So I applied there for 10 years. And I took that test 10 times in a row. And finally, on that 11th time, uh, about five years ago, is when I got hired. I passed the test and and uh, scored high enough to be able to 
to make it to the physical agility and move forward with it. But um, I tell you what, what it was, it was, it was kind of luck and maybe a little process of elimination. I knew that, you know, that first year, the answer to that question wasn't A, and the second it wasn't B, and the third year it wasn't <laughs> C, so it's got to be B. And there's only process of elimination. Right. There's only a hundred questions on that. So if you do the math, man, you know, 10 years, <laughs> you got to be smarter stupid. than the paper. No, you got to be smarter than the paper, man. <laughs> so that's how so, I did it. We know Weatherford needs to, Weatherford needs to change their test yearly. Obviously the written test. <laughs> it was the same dang test, dude. It was the same test. Well, let's, let, all right. So now you're on Weatherford. <clears throat> you're happy. You're good to go. Clearly, yeah. you got a passion. Anybody listening to this, obviously, you're picking up on the passion. I guarantee you right now, somebody, a lot of people listen to this when they're working out. I guarantee you they're running a little bit faster. They're lifting a little bit more weight because they're hearing your passion come through, man. Failure is is not an obstacle. It's an opportunity for you, right? You're like, let's do it. Let's let's get better. Let's keep going. Whatever. So th- yep. you take that and you start a fool's chapter now, right? The Frontier <laughs> Fools? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, so that, that I can kind of. I guess rewind a little bit back, um, man, when I got, when I finally got that, that paramedic patch uh, that opened the doors for me, just like I knew it would. The first place that I applied at, um, you know, they took me, uh, it was paramedic preferred. So if I made a 70 on the test, what I normally did make, if I made a 70 on the test and the guy with the EMT basic made a 99, well, guess who they're taking? They're taking the old guy with the paramedic patch, right? <laughs> so that's what happened, man, is I went to a, a uh, department just uh, southeast of Dallas, um, and uh, it reminded me a lot of a lot of home. Home was Weatherford at the time, um, and I got on there. And so I'd already been a fireman for about five years. You know, like I said, part time and volunteer. And um, um, you know, I, like I said, I always had the passion. Always loved learning. I knew I absolutely. I, I knew I didn't know everything. You know, um, so I got onto this department, and it was. Uh, I don't know the best way to say this, um, but it was a splash cold water in the face of the reality of what the culture is like, really, at some of these departments that are around. And I know this isn't specific, <clears throat> but I get hired there and immediately brought into a immediately uh, brought into a room with five other guys. And basically, we're told that we're going to be pieces of crap for the next 120 shifts, you know. Don't look at us. Don't talk to us. If we're outside, you're inside cleaning. If we're inside, you're outside working. And then somehow magically, when we get on a call, we're supposed to be a team, you know? So (laughs) I'm thinking to myself, oh, crap, man, you know? Um, But you know what? It's 120 shifts. So what? By that time, I'm almost 30 years old. You know, I've got a serious girlfriend. We want to get married and get a house. So, um, shoot, I can do this. No big deal. Um, but I realized that there was a culture there that was very vindictive and, and just unhealthy and it had been deep seated in there. And every year there was a sacrificial goat. Somebody was getting fired, not because of their skill level, it was just because that's just the way it was. Um, that assistant chief had the on display in his uh, bookshelf, the fire front, the leather front of everybody he's ever fired. And there was 13 there when I was there. So it was, you know, when you're a rookie. And you get, Dude, you that is shitty as hell. <laughs> that was this trophy case, man. And when you're a rookie, you had to dust that stuff. And um, 
you know, you're just like on broken eggs. Finally, I saw guys getting fired all around me, you know, and the problem was I was part of, I became part of the solution because better than him than me, you know, um, mm-hmm. that's the way I felt. And so it was kind of that, um, I don't want to say that, that abused, that abused spouse or, or child syndrome, you know, it's just like, you just kind of grant you hope it doesn't happen to you. And we don't talk about these things, but until finally about three years into it, I found the, the, uh, the target of my back, you know, for whatever reason, you know, all of a sudden Eddie was awful. And they told me, they said, Eddie, you're a horrible fireman. You're going to get somebody killed, you know, and how they try to teach you, you know, is it say real, real quick, you know, Hey, all right, kid, now you just did what I did. And if you don't get it, then you're, you know, the near piece of shit. So that's kind of how it was, man. I started just getting really nervous and, you know, you start getting uh, performance anxiety and, uh, you know, you feel that, that, uh, that target on your back. So what did I do, man? I, I took a big old piece of humble pie and I, instead of pointing the finger at everybody else, man, I had to take a, a close look in the mirror and say, Eddie, you got to fix yourself, man. If you want to keep your job, you know, and I just got in the house and keep your house and keep food on the table. You better fix yourself. So I went back to the fire academy. I went back to Weatherford Fire Academy, went to that um, fire director there, and I said, Chief, can I just can I just sit in the class and just try to relearn some of this stuff, whatever it was, ladders or whatever it was. I just want to be, I want to be a fly on the wall. I don't want to be an instructor because evidently I don't know shit. And she said, absolutely, man. So uh, I went and I audited, you know, about a semester of classes there, you know, hands-on training stuff. And and finally, um, those inst- the instructors there that knew me, they uh, they did something that was really cool you know, that helped my uh, my confidence and said, hey, Eddie, why don't you take a small group and you just show them something simple, you know, so whatever it was, they masking up. You know, show them how to mask up and show them that, you know, then the next week they say, all right, we're doing ladders. Why don't you show them, you know, how we do ladders, you know. Um, so I show them that. And next thing you know, I'm, you know, subconsciously what they were doing is they were building my confidence up. So finally yeah. it clicked with me and I realized, hey, dude, I know what I'm doing. In fact, I kind of always knew what I was doing. Those, those assholes over there were the ones that were really bringing me down. And yeah. I thought to myself, I was like, this is supposed to be the best job in the world. Like I did all this scraping and clawing and sweating to come here. And this is the best job in the world. That's this bullshit, man. If this is the best job in the world, then I don't know what is up. So that's something important that people need to understand that if you find yourself in a place where you're not happy and maybe you're the subject of some of this kind of discrimination, not discrimination, but um, uh, let's call it bullying or whatever to single outing, you know, first of all, fix yourself, right? If you fix yourself and the other guys see that you're trying to fix yourself, a lot of times that'll solve the problem. But if that doesn't, if that doesn't work and you're still not happy where you are, go somewhere else, man, you are worth it. Because at that mm-hmm. time, there's something that gets in your head and you don't think that you can go anywhere else. It's like that, that beaten, you know, um, spouse syndrome, you know, they're telling you you're not worth crap. And if you go anywhere else, nobody else is going to want you either. And we're going to find out and then you're really going to be, you know, in big trouble. But that's not true, man. Pick yourself up and go somewhere else if you need to, because right now the fire service is dying for good, passionate firefighters and you can go anywhere yes. you want. So it's important for people to understand that. So what did I do? I went and got my big boy shoes on. I went and, um, Actually, I went and applied at one of the departments I was part-timing at. 
And this is a single station department that's got four ambulances and they run the freaking wheels off that ambulance. And I'm a paramedic. Guess where I'm going to go? I'm going <laughs> to go on that ambulance, right? But I went and I got hired by, by them. I went and put my two weeks notice on the fire chief's uh, desk at my other department. He said, Eddie, I thought we were good. I said, no, sir, we're not good. In fact, I'm downgrading to one station department. And they ran the wheels off that ambulance with me on it. And I got my confidence back, but they freaking appreciated me. And I had, and I liked it there, man. The, the guys were good. Uh, you know, the pay was decent. And I started just kind of getting my feet underneath myself again. And this is, I know it's a long story, but this is how I got myself involved with the fools. Because I was still trying to figure out how to make myself a better fireman. Because I had something to prove to myself, and I still had something to prove to those assholes back there. You know, because it took me a while to to kind of let go of that. It took me years. And <clears throat> that's probably something else to talk about. But it was very unhealthy for a while. Um so I was on the interwebs and I saw this thing on Facebook and they called fools. I'm like, who's the fools, you know, and there was a chapter in North Texas called the heart of Texas fools. And they were about an hour, 15 minutes from me. And I was seeing some of their content, some of their videos and stuff. I was like, man, this is good stuff. I mean, they were talking about ladders. Like I've never heard of ladders, you know, they were talking about hose. I never even heard about this kind of hose. I mean, all kinds of stuff. And, so I told myself, self, the next time they have a meeting, I'm going to go. And one of the coolest things about this was that it said, everybody's welcome. It said, everybody's welcome. Like me, I'm welcome. Like you don't have to be some super fireman. You know, you don't have to be part of the clique or part of the club. Everybody is welcome here. We'll take everybody, right? We just want to make the fire service better. And I was like, shit, that's me, dude. So... I went to the, <clears throat> I went to the fire station where they were having this meeting, and uh, I started looking around at these super firemen around me. I got my Metallica shirt on, you know, my Pittsburgh <laughs> Fire Department hat on. I'm like, crap, dude, you know, I bet this better be good, you know. And so, uh, Chief Garrett Rice from the Colony is doing a class on ladders, ground ladders, and he freaking blew my mind about ground ladders. I didn't know anything about ground ladders. You know, all I knew is they're freaking heavy, and I'm going to try to avoid that damn thing, you know, because we didn't go to the roof anyway where I was at. So, anyway, uh, after the class, <clears throat> I feel this on the back on my back shoulder. I look around. This guy goes, Eddie Steele, Matt Jelinski. I go, what are you doing here, man? He goes, what are you doing here? He's like, I haven't seen you since the fire got him. He goes, dude, I'm the president of the Heart of Texas Fools. I'm like, holy shit, you know? And then I see another guy named Zach Hamlin that works for the call. I'm like, Zach? He's like, Eddie, we work part-time in a place called Lakeworth. I'm like, these are my fucking friends, man. These are my friends, you know? And um, that was my safe spot, man. It's like, it's okay. It's okay to want to come here and, and learn. And it's okay if you're not the best fireman in the world because they're going to help you and they're going to teach you. And I was like, shit, where were y'all three years ago, man? Because I needed y'all. <laughs> you know? But uh, until then, man, that's when I was like, um, I realized that if I could help other firefighters get the knowledge that I so desperately needed back then, man, uh, that that I don't want anybody to have to go through what I went through, you know? Not just uh, psychologically, emotionally, but also, damn it, like they deserve and the citizens deserve for these firefighters to have the skills to make them freaking awesome, be badass firemen to have. Because I wasn't taught at the time, 
You know, these departments weren't teaching these best practices that NFPA 1700 is doing now. You know, it was just all this history. It was this ifsta crap, you know, that it wasn't even, you know, practical. So um, finally back where, where I was, I know this is long, man. I apologize. but no, no, finally, no, Go ahead, brother. Finally back in Weatherford, Texas, in this area, you know, there's a lot of other, you know, really good firemen in Weatherford, Parker County, Fort Worth, Arlington, all over this area. And um, there just wasn't a fool's chapter that was close to us. It was always about an hour drive for us to get there. You know, next thing you know, it's a four hour ordeal, you know, to go through the training or the, the meeting. So I was like, man, someone needs to start a chapter. Everyone's like, yeah, someone needs to start a chapter. I'm like, well, someone <laughs> they look needs to at start. You. They're looking at you. Yeah, someone needs to start it. So I was like, all right, man, I just want to do fireman stuff with my friends. So I got all my friends together that, that I met through the chapter, uh, through the right. part of Texas Fools chapter. And I reached out to Matt Jelinski and Justin Bemis there at the Heart of Texas Fools. And then also Chase Morgan from the Iron Brotherhood Fools down in the Houston area. They had just started a chapter. And he goes, all right, dude, this is how to do it. But he goes, God bless you, because you're going to be doing 80% of this thing all on your own. I'm like, I don't care, man. I just want to I just want to share. share. People have got to know what this is. It's like Bible study. You know what I mean? It's like, so, hey, dude, like you have a Bible study? I'm like, yeah. He goes, so what's it about? Like, well, just come on over, man. We'll talk about it, you know? And so yeah. I do the same thing with my buddies. They're like, so what's this fool's thing? I'm like, dude, it's awesome. I'm like, all right, maybe I'll go, but don't tell anybody. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. <laughs> Next thing you know, they go to a meeting or they go to training. They're like, that was fucking badass. I'm like, I know. God is great, right? You know? And, <laughs> and uh, you know, it just spreads like wildfire. I don't. I don't shove it down anybody's throat. I just kind of show them that's the direction to the well, come drink from it with me. And, uh, and that's how we get it done. But um, I guess to answer your question, that that's how we started the fools. That's how I started the fools. And, and the guys I'm with, man, my training cadre and my, uh, my, my executive board, the misfits that I'm with, you know, these guys are so much better firefighters than me. These guys just, they're so awesome. I can lean on them for everything. I got guys like Kevin Lewis from Dallas and, and uh, Thomas Anderson from Haltom City, Jeremy Wardlow, uh, Josh Wade's freaking uh, – I mean, I got all these guys, so many good guys that are so much better firemen that, that really represent us well. And I just get to sit back there and just watch these marvelous pastors just, you know, they do good stuff, man, and, and I'm really proud to be a part of them. Man, you're getting you're getting me all motivated and inspired. I want to go. I want to go put my gear on and just at least run around the block or something, Let's dude. Go. Hey, I'll see you in Rowlett. Let's go, dude. Yeah, Rowlett, right? Is exactly it. I love your passion, man. It, it's infectious. It's infectious. I love the fact that you're open about your failures because you want to share your successes, and not for you, but for everybody else. Absolutely. Yeah, man. man. He, it's cool. It's cool. I always I meet these guys at these trainings all the time, man. If I see somebody I've never seen, but hey, dude, what's up? You know, just strike up a conversation with them. Let them know that they're freaking welcome. At this, you don't have to be stiff around here. I guess when you're talking about that 1700 class, I go and talk to people, try to hype them up because, man, this is fun. This is needed to be a good environment where it's healthy and like it's okay to laugh and jaw at each other. And yeah. We're not here to prove anything, man. We're here to have a good time. And if I mess up, I'll go first so you can laugh at me and you can learn from what I just did wrong. So that way, the oh, guy, that's you know, it. yeah, the guy that goes fifth is the one that gets it right. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to tell you, that's one of my weaknesses. I still to this day, I, I force myself to do it sometimes, and there's other times I don't. Where I don't go first in something because. You know, it's it's in my head. And then I did something today, matter of fact, that 
uh, we were doing some training today with my guys. And I, I was like, I don't want to do this, but I did it. And I was happy that I did it. But anyway, so let me ask you this. What do you got coming up in the future for the fools, your local fools chapters? What's coming on? Um, what's going on in Texas? So I'm glad you asked that. Uh, right, man, there's a lot going on in Texas. There's a lot going on in North Texas. Um, we're happy that we're and we're lucky to be able to, to share kind of a region with the heart of Texas fools. Uh, they're the chapter. Actually, that's kind of a, a responsible for at Texas that you're that, uh, we're speaking about. But here on the 15th, they've got the actual it's called the uh, North Texas Fire Revolution. It's a two day conference that's being held at Collin County in McKinney, Texas. Uh, day one is going to be lecture. Day two is going to be all hands-on training. Uh, the, the smoke divers are going to do a search class there. We're going to have uh, forcible entry. We're going to have ladders there. Just basic fundamental firemanship. Sets and reps, man. Sets and reps always, you know, with a bunch of good brothers. There's nothing better than that, man. Um, you know, it's just like drinking beers with your buddy, except we're all sweating together. You know, and at the end of the day, you're exhausted. Everybody's smiling dirty, you know. It's going to be a great time. And the best part about it, man, is the price. It's only $50, dude. 50 bucks for eight hours of just jamming it up with brothers, you know, which is awesome. Because that's one thing about these trainings lately. God bless, man. You know, like $250 for a ticket to go train and, you know, $170 for, you know, it gets so taxing. We're di- we're not dentists, man. We're firemen. So that's the one thing that the fools around here, we really try to make things, if not free, just very, very affordable. So it's a $50 ticket on the 15th in McKinney, you know, and I'll plug it for our big brothers, the, the heart of Texas fools. Uh, as far as the frontier fools, um, you know, in the summer, I know for, for a fact this summer in June, we're going to have the gone to Texas fire forum and, and fire expo. Um, that's going to be a weekend long of just, you know, great firemanship. Um, it's, it's going to be mostly all um, lecture, motivational lecturing, you know, uh, gone to Texas. What does that mean? Well, back in the old days, in the frontier days, like in Kentucky and such, um, you know, when people wanted to go and start their life over again, where did they go? They went to Texas, right? Mm-hmm. They left their cabins and there's a sign that would be hanging on their cabins. And the sign said, <clears throat> GTT, gone to Texas. So they say, hey, man, you know. Where did Eddie go? He went to Texas. So we kind of call it that, gone to Texas. You go back, you know, go to this fire farm and get a good shot in the arm of uh, motivation so you can start your day off, uh, your year off again. Um, Kevin Lewis, uh, one of our cadre members, he's got a he's got a, a, a goal, a dream for uh, early this spring to have the, the Texas Truck, uh, Truck Academy. What we're going to do is we're going to showcase Texas Truck Tactics and let the folks around here in our area that are really trying to find their way into uh, uh, the truck culture, you know, they all have this $2 million apparatus, but they only use about $500 of it. You know, they got it for, for uh, insurance reasons and such, but uh, our goal is to help these other smaller fire departments really maximize uh, the effectiveness uh, of the truck and the men and women that are on those trucks. So it's going to be mainly all that uh, just, truck, uh, truck, uh, truck tasks, like, you know, vent ladders search, but what we're going to try to do is make it a little bit more advanced because a lot of these fundamental classes are all over the place, but we're going to try to put, you know, kind of step it up a little bit and see if we can uh, teach them a little bit more things that maybe they haven't seen before. So that's a goal that's going to be coming in, in September. And until then, man, the best thing I can always tell you is just to pay attention to our Facebook page, Frontier Fools on Facebook. And we always put out content and we always put out raffles and, and um, you know, the next things that are up. 
but uh, those are my guys, and I love them. All right, brother. I love it. Love the passion. You got listen. I'm woo. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Let's do it, man. All right. So we got to wrap up here, but I do want to end with this. Tell me the best prank that you've ever had played on you or you played on somebody. (laughs) Yeah. So, so I'm not a great pranker. Uh, kind of the, I'm kind of the quiet, chilled out guy at the department or the, at the station. I've had two of them done to me. Uh, so the first one, um, saran wrap on the toilet. Nice. Always a winner. Right, on the toilet, and then my daughter Kelsey. So, I've got a 17 year old daughter, and she grew up in a fire station. You know, she she's a feral she's a feral daughter. <laughs> she grew up around <laughs> firemen <laughs> and climbing all over apparatus. You know, and all the departments I volunteered and part timed on, and even in the back of that, those nasty ambulances. So, I think it's why she never she never got COVID. I think that's why because she freaking spent so much time in the back of the ambulance playing those damn telescopes. <laughs> But anyway, uh, so there, she was on this. Uh, she was on this prank kick uh, when she was about ten or twelve years old, and uh, the prank was that uh, to put a, um, uh, a sponge underneath your your pillow, right? So she gets to the fire station because they always visit us at the fire station, and that she uh, told the guys, "Goes, hey, this is what I want to do to my dad," and so. They, they, of course, they helped her out with that. They got the nastiest <laughs> sponge they possibly could. They put it on it. So they went back into my bunk room, you know, and she put it underneath my my uh, my pillow. Of course, that night I was on the ambulance. I was tired as heck, you know. <clears throat> and I get down. Finally, I'm able to go to bed. I get down, get in my bed, get on ice, and I said, God, what is that? <laughs> and it says, I'm going to that says, it says from Kelsey to dad. I'm like, Kelsey. <laughs> so that was it. That was my daughter. The best prank I've ever done to me is my daughter was helping my brothers. You're doing it right if you're getting your children involved in firehouse pranks, period. Far enough. Brother Steele, this has been a blast for me. I, I thoroughly mean it. I've just enjoyed the shit out of this. Uh, I can't Let's wait to see you in Rowlett. Uh, we'll have dinner together. And uh, you can get me pumped up some more. Get me more excited, man. You're a dose of motivation, man. I needed it. And I know some people listening right now, and they need it. So thank you for your time, brother. Thanks, Jake. I appreciate it, man. Stay safe. All right, man. Today's podcast was sponsored by Fire Facilities, designers and manufacturers of realistic, built-to-last training structures and mobile units for 30 years. Make training count. Visit firefacilities.com for more information.